Lead Generation Strategies for B2B Tech Companies, a podcast by Brightvision. Here, you will learn how to generate great leads from the most experienced B2B sales and marketing people. Your host today, and always, is Jakob Lövenbrand, CEO at Brightvision. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the B2B Lead Gen podcast for tech companies. My name is Jacob Lovenbrand and I'm the Managing Director of Bright Vision as well as host of this podcast. Today we're going to talk about uh, a very interesting subject, uh, B2B marketing of course, but also AI and how to use that in B2B marketing, things like chatbots and so on. And with no less than Samantha Stone, who's the founder and CMO of Marketing Advisory Network and author of a great book. And with that very short introduction, welcome to our podcast, Samantha. I'm glad you kept the introduction short. That gives us more time to talk. So I'm thrilled to be here. Yeah, thank you so much. It's awesome to have you here. And I know you have a long career and have done a lot of things uh, in marketing. And if you point out a few things where you're coming from, uh, could you give us a little bit of who you are, what you do, and where you're going? <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll try and do it in a way that um, will be helpful for the context of the conversation. So I actually started in career in marketing completely by mistake. I, um, I graduated from college with a degree in economics, so I was very um, analytical and data-driven, and, and I was gonna go into public policy research. Well, you know, nobody was hiring <laughs> public policy research people, so I applied to grad school because that's what every good um, person who doesn't know what they're gonna do with their life does. Um, I got accepted, but I had this gap in time and I needed to make some money, so I started temping, and I started temping at a software company as it turns out, and ended up being in channel sales for um, a number of years. And, um, and I loved it. And I ended up, you know, not pursuing public policy research, but um, ended up falling in love with this kind of work. And eventually, I was running a lot of marketing programs for and with partners and sort of doing my own thing. And I would, you know, go to marketing and say, I want to do this. I want to, you know, we need to be doing this. And they said, Well, if you can do it better, Samantha, go do it. And um, as it turned out, marketing is actually what I was meant to do. I absolutely loved it. I also found out how much harder it was than I thought from the outside. Um, but I spent my career working mostly in technology companies, um, working for some very small startups when we were getting our first set of customers and nobody knew anything about us. And then also working for some very large multi-billion dollar companies that um, were very well established, but always going after new growth opportunities and new segments of the market. And um, over the last, probably I'd say six years, have spent a lot of time with clients who are um, in the artificial intelligence space in lots of ways. And I became really sort of fascinated with my own personal interactions with brands and what was happening, what my clients were doing, with the technologies that were out there. And so I've done a fair amount of um, research on how and when to use technologies and how and when people want to interact with technology versus humans. And so I'm thrilled to be chatting today about how all of these things come together as as we go out there as as marketers and need to become more and more efficient. And you know this, you know, B2B buyers are human buyers. And so the same things that and principles that are applying in other things that they're buying, even if they're personal, 
there's an expectation that they be able to have similar experiences in the B2B environment as well. Yeah, awesome story and a great uh, introduction to, to the topic as well. Huh? Before we dive into AI a little bit, I just want to start out with a question there. You wrote a book uh, called Unleash Possible, a marketing playbook a few years back. And uh, it's obviously that you're very passionate about marketing and B2B marketing especially. But what, what I mean, it's so much work to to put together a book and you know put it out there and, and edit it and everything what the, what was the core ideas and the things you really would like to you know put out there and and uh, write the book so <laughs> putting in yeah, all that work you're right it is a lot of work and i was super fortunate i had an amazing editor uh, katie martell who worked with me i had an amazing narrator who did the audible version because i tried to do it myself and i just couldn't talk for that many hours and listen to my own voice and so amazing um narrator paul schmidt who helped with that had a proofreader you know all the work did dan greedwald did an awesome cover like so so many people are part of the team of making a book even a self-published book like i did and so um it's it was a real labor of love and it was really germinated um for I guess I would say three reasons. So the first reason was I had been working in the space for a really long time and I had launched my own consulting practice a few years before. And the the work of creating a book forces you to become very clear about what you believe. So all these years I'd been doing things and learning things and writing blogs about things, but I had never taken that moment to really sit and think about what are what are universal truths that are durable? Not what's trendy and hot right now, what is the core structure and framework that that sustains each trend and and what do i believe about it and how do we interact with it and then so that was a big a big driver of what i wanted to do my own you know learning and documentation process the second thing is i really wanted a practical book there's so many books out there who tell you about these great ideas and concepts but don't show you how to do things and so this book was really you know, formulated to say, here's an idea that's a durable idea, not a trend in a hot new thing, but the durable idea that you're going to need to apply to everything that you do. And each chapter is designed to, to tackle an important foundation. And then here's a case study, right? Of either how it went horribly wrong or how it went great and what we learned along the way. And here's how to tips. And it was structured in that way. And the third reason that I wrote the book was as I was doing my consulting practice, I had a lot of people who would come and ask questions and I would meet with them and it was great, but they couldn't afford my services. Um, and they couldn't, um, they could, whether it was me or someone else, they, they couldn't, they weren't ready to bring on someone financially, but they needed these things. And so this book gave me a way of doing more than just meeting them for coffee once and wishing them well. I actually was handing to them the the handbook of the things that were necessary for them to 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 do the job that i do right um mm. and and it was so it's been such a remarkable experience and um every year i reread the book and i torture myself over specific sentences as we all do but i i i'm really proud of the fact that i wouldn't change this book i mean mm. other than you know you might add a different case study now because it's a little bit different time or I might, you know, update a sentence because, you know, we all obsess about writing. The foundation is still true. And that is what I set out to do. And I hope that that will, you know, when I look back in five more years from now, that'll still be true. Yeah. And I think it's it's an awesome book you've written. So I definitely think so. And one thing you write there is, uh, and maybe you touch upon it a little bit, that 
I think it says most advice tells you to transform, but does little to address the practical realities of making changes in organization and have complex relationship with the sales and so on. So I think, uh, can you just tell us why you think that transformation, you know, going from only advising to actually how to do it guideline and what do you think is the most important thing for a marketing department to actually make the transition as you write about there? Yeah, I mean, look, there's so many aspects of of that, um, which is why it's a book and not, you know, mm. a, a, a white paper. But the, the, if you're going to make one change, the yeah. single most important change that you should make is how you measure marketing. Mm. And so if you do nothing else and the only chapter you read about measurement, I encourage people to read the chapter about measurement because it completely shifts how people hold marketing accountable and it frees marketing to do a lot of things that we sometimes aren't able to do with when we're measured by the wrong yeah. things. Yeah. And so it's a, um, I, I hope, and I've seen time and again where I've applied it myself, really big transformations happen when that shift happens. And I hope yeah. the book inspires organizations to make some of those types of shifts. So we're not just incrementally getting better, but we're, yeah. we're predictably getting better. We're getting better in a way that isn't just about next month or this quarter, what is better on um, the entire year and next year and the year after that. Yeah, couldn't agree more. That would incrementally improve our processes and, and ways how to go about things. And that brings us to our topic here today, uh, artificial intelligence in marketing. And this is a topic you have been working a lot with lately. And, and of course, it's... it's uh, something everybody in business these days uh, think about and maybe worry about if you don't know so much about it <laughs> and maybe, you know, take advantage of if you're already ahead of the curve and so on. So can you just start out, what is artificial intelligence and how can you apply it and from, from a top level perspective to marketing, so to say? Yeah, so artificial intelligence is that. So first of all, let me just start by saying most things that people call artificial intelligence aren't true artificial intelligence. We've adapted oh. that term to mean broader than it. In its purest sense, artificial intelligence is when a system learns it from itself. When we don't tell the system what to do, and we don't just, we don't put rules in, but we teach it how to learn about a certain type of thing, and then it learns on its own, and it builds its own um, uh, concepts and ideas and, and responses. And we see that in, um, in, in lots of very advanced technologies. Most of the time, however, what we're doing is an artificial-like intelligence-like system, which has what's called machine learning underneath it, that mm -hmm. does get a little smarter over time. We do some training on it, but there's still a fair amount of rules kind of built into the system in some way. And artificial intelligence can be applied to marketing in so many ways. It's as simple as, you know, my, my phone, when I talk to, hey, Google, which hopefully isn't going to set it off, I won't say the other name for the device sitting back there on my shelf, right? Because I'll, I'll, I'll get it going. But when we do that, that's that's an artificial intelligence um, engine, right? That's understanding my verbal commands. And marketers need to understand that an increasing amount of search is happening verbally, mm -hmm. right? And so if an increasing amount of search is happening verbally, what does that mean for our search strategies and our website strategies and, and how we respond and deliver our, our content and information? So that's a piece of it. Another way that we interact with artificial intelligence and marketing quite a lot is chatbots, right? And things like that that are on our site. now. Most chatbots are not artificial intelligence. Most chatbots are scripting responses to rules where we 
we say, hey, if they mention this key term, ask this question. If they answer this question in this way, direct them there. And so most chatbots aren't quite where they will become, um, but they do still serve a purpose. We're collecting all this data from them. And in the back end, they do a lot of analysis and they can help us get smarter about our um, audience and, and how to direct things. And then marketing uses artificial intelligence in a lot of things like personalizing websites and delivering based on who the system believes is coming to our website in this moment. How do we surface what content, what images, what things might we do? We use it to do all kinds of analysis. So if we want to segment our customer base and really understand behavior, artificial intelligence based engines allow us to do that. So at the end of the day, um, we use it in so many, so, so many ways. Right. And whereas marketers are really very fortunate to have it but we aren't very good at using it yet. <laughs> we still um, often apply the concepts of automation to artificial intelligence based systems. And so we need to get, we need to get better, better at doing that. Mm. The good news is you don't have to be an engineer to understand it. You don't have to be a technician to understand it. Um, there's lots and lots of ways to have the business application to these very complex technology things that happen in the back end. Mm. So interesting. So, <clears throat> Uh, it's obviously something we need to start looking into if you're a B2B marketeer and, and haven't, <laughs> so, so to say, which I think is the case for most persons in, in, in the industry today. So um, where, where should I start? Uh, since I'm not an expert in this area myself and haven't set up any systems that would probably be labeled as AI-driven marketing solutions of any kind, what, what do you think it's, uh, where is the low hanging fruit and where are the easiest wins uh, to start out with? I think that's a great question. Here's, I'm going to answer you in a way that might surprise you and might surprise the audience. Don't go looking for solutions to, that use artificial intelligence. Hmm. It's actually the backwards way. It will trap us into making technology mistakes that marketers have been making for decades, where we buy a tool and we use 1%, I think, on average of the functionality of what it's capable of doing. I mean, how many people have bought a sophisticated marketing automation system and use it for email, sending email and nothing else, right? We, we uh, and not even particularly smart emails, time-based exactly. emails, well, right? All of us have done that. Right? So <laughs> we never should, I mean, if you want to be curious and learn about artificial intelligence because you're curious about the technology, there's lots of places I can recommend doing that. I took a great class at MIT um, uh, that was phenomenal six-week course to really dig in conceptually to it because I wanted that mm -hmm. academic foundation. But you, you know, if you're trying to solve a business problem, don't worry about AI. Mm. Figure out and document the business problem. Free your mind to think creatively about what the optimum thing you want to happen is, what the optimum solution is, and then go looking for the solution. Behind it is probably artificial intelligence, but it's not necessary. You'll will always be gapped, and if you go out and say, "I want the latest AI X," right, whatever the cool hot new thing is but you don't have a business problem to solve with it, it's not a, not a good use of the technology. So identify the business challenge you want to solve, find solutions that do that. It's likely there's AI underneath it. Mm. Interesting. And chatbots are one of the cases which typically, as you said, many of them don't use AI from a <laughs> definition perspective, but, but still, you know, machine learning or, or things 
similar to that. Do you see that as a good way to start, uh, you know, using more advanced plugins as well to have, have you good experience from using that? Yeah, I think there's a couple of places that I find artificial intelligence sort of mm -hmm. good entry points for marketers. So one is chatbots. And again, you know, you can debate whether they're really AI, but um, but the, the idea of having a digital conversation with somebody who is on a property of yours, um, uh, directing that conversation to an appropriate resource. Um, uh, you know, if you have any significant web traffic, you should be doing this, right? It's mm. sort of an expected. I don't have it on my website because my website, you know, my business is very referral driven and very, very low volume traffic on my website. So it doesn't make sense for me to do that. But if you had any substantial amount of web traffic, you would want to have um, a tool like that. A lot of my clients use Drift, but there are many other mm. tools available as well to do that. Um, a couple other places where AI can be um, easily applied for um, marketers. One is in how we serve our advertising. So mm. there's a lot of technologies out there, particularly in B2B, where I don't want to just advertise at large. I want to advertise to very specific companies, for example. I want to have really sophisticated views about what I deliver to one that is triggered based on activity. So those ad serving platforms have a lot of machine learning in them and mm -hmm. intelligence built into them. So that's very helpful. And then the third area I see that is a real um, low hanging fruit is um, is like the gifting programs like Alice that will actually go out and learn about the person you want to provide a gift to and recommend something like if you have a rewards program for customers, for example, mm -hmm. or um, you want to thank people who have been references or done case studies for you, things like that. Um, those systems actually use a fair amount of machine learning underneath them to scrape large amounts of data and come up with recommendations for people who are um, that will feel personal to them. Um, so those are super low hanging fruit ones. Um, and then I would say the next bucket, if I were to sort of go up a level is lead scoring and website personalization. And again, you don't actually need to worry about what's the underlying technology sitting under it. Um, those are pretty well established and um, uh, trustworthy processes at this point in time. But you should be thinking about and working about how do I optimize those environments. And so um, in the go and then after that, there's all kinds of incredibly fun things that you could do. But if you sort of, if you start with those two buckets and really mm -hmm. assess where you're at, those are common B2B applications for that type of technology. Do you work as a sales, marketing, or channel manager and would like to generate great leads to your B2B tech company? Then we are here for you. By creating a qualified sales pipeline and strengthen your position in the tech industry, we help you grow. Depending on your needs, we use effective strategies like inbound marketing, telemarketing, account-based marketing, and paid media. Get more information on brightvision.com. Yeah, so interesting. And personalization and research, as you have mentioned there, I suppose that must be awfully more effective using uh, AI solutions or similar tools like that to get it done because that's extremely hard and, and uh, a lot of labor sometime that we typically put on the sales organizations to do. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's awesome to hear. And look, there's, there's a role for sales to play in one-to-one in -one personalization. And I really believe that that's an underutilized channel for marketing actually. Mm -hmm. But um, 
there are technological things that we can do to be much better at lead scoring in ways that actually make sense instead of just sort of cumulative lead scoring, which you know really doesn't work very well in, in aggregate. Mm -hmm. Or um, you know, when somebody's visiting my website, creating an experience for them that is unique to who they are, what company they work for, um, that's that's super meaningful, and those things tend to see returns. They they tend to have more expense up front, right? You've got to um, th those do require a little bit more money, time, and resources to implement, but they they tend to have a very good return. Mm. So so interesting, yeah. And we do have a technology explosion within the marketing area, as you know. I don't know if you have uh, followed uh, Scott Brinker, another Bostoner or Massachusetts. Yes, <laughs> I've known Scott for a long time. For oh, you sure. do. Oh, gosh, Scott's great. Yeah, I, I, I love Scott. We've had an opportunity to meet many times and um, and and chat, and he's done some incredible stuff. That MarTech landscape that he yeah, does, exactly. right? Yeah, Remember yeah. when it started, how small it was? Yeah, it's <laughs> awesome. So, uh, and I'm having a tough time keeping up just to update it since it's so grown yeah. so extremely much. So, yeah, we actually had him on the podcast a few months ago, and uh, it's it's just mind-blowing how big transformation marketing have have gone through the, over the last 10 years from a technology and solution perspective so it is yeah. and that's why i advise not starting with the technology but starting with the business problem we're looking to solve because exactly. um there's we, we just can't chase all the shiny new objects it's not practical we don't use enough of it we don't we don't get even if we get roi we're not actually getting optimum return on that investment so instead of doing that figure out the you know what you're trying to achieve and then map the technology back to that you may actually have stuff you you know like there may already be things in your marketing automation system that you can use that you're just not using right mm -hmm. and um there's a tremendous amount of opportunity for us with the tools we already have and then you can get really specialized about which which things you you focus mm -hmm. on um one of the things we just have to be uh wary not wary of but we have to be aware of when we build artificial based systems, there's two things that are potential fatal flaws. The first one is um, the these systems require data to train on, right? Mm -hmm. So it in order for it to to know what to do, you've got it, it it's got to practice ahead of time so it can make intelligent um, re, you know decisions for you. And um, our data is inherently biased in lots and lots of cases. So um, if you do for example a Google search for a successful business person, and you look at the images, there's a lot of white guys in that image. <laughs> and it's not because Google is evil and believe only white men are successful. It's because the data that it's pulling from was biased and it and it does that. And so our in our own systems, in our own applications, and the own decisions we're making about nurturing programs and things, we have to watch for the same type of thing that can happen. The second thing is you always need a human out. Um, the my what my research the fun the 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 only takeaway that actually really really matters of the research is that in moments of stress the only thing that really matters um at the heart of it i have lots of things in the research but the most important takeaway is this in moments of stress we need to talk to a human and in moments of routine systems are are, are um, perfectly acceptable so if something is wrong if um I am um, tracking down something that's a late delivery. If people want to talk to humans, and if you're not talking to humans, they get more frustrated by the experience than if they are. If 
um, I am, you know, it's one o'clock in the morning and I um, want to know what hour the bank opens. I don't actually want to talk to him and I just want to look it up. I want to do a quick chat and ask a question, right? So there are very good times when technology is the, the preferred method of interacting with me. And there are times when it's not. And we as marketers need to recognize those times, but we also need to always give people an easy way to get to a human if they they reach a point of frustration or confusion or circu circular logic. I think we've all interacted with a bat where you're asking a question and spitting out the same thing over and over and over again. You just want to throttle the thing because you know it's not a person, even if it's named a person and they pretend it is. And you know it's just it's caught in a rule and you can't get out of it. And I just just make it easy to click the button and talk to a person. Stop making me work so hard, right? Mm. Um, and so those are the, the kinds of gotchas that are actually um, relatively easy for marketers to plan for. Oh, that's awesome. So interesting. And uh, where do we go next? Where do you see the coming year or two or three is... is uh, how will it impact us as marketeers, especially B2B marketeers? And and where should we look for inspiration <laughs> the coming, yeah. That's a really good question. I mean, I think fundamentally marketing takes a while to adopt what already exists. So we're mm -hmm. sort of at the beginning of this, right? So um, we're gonna see these technologies continue to be used and adapted to different environments. We're gonna see them be used. We're gonna have far more consumer-like experiences in the B2B prying process than we have today. Mm. Um, and we're, we saw some of that happen with uh, COVID. So the COVID pandemic accelerated some of the digital transformation because I couldn't go on site and meet with my buyer, right? Mm. You know, um, B2B marketers would like to talk about our call centers and we're inside sales and people, but we're still, you know, anything that's significantly of cost and a complex selling process, we still often have a point where somebody goes on site and meets with a customer or meets with them as or begins the conversation at a conference or has those types of meets up. And so um, COVID stopped that from happening. And so we had to adapt to um, more digital transformation mechanisms. So I think a couple things are going to happen. I think we're going to see more consumer like interaction experiences, and we're going to continue to get better at analysis and using that analysis to actually change in our behavior and our actions. Instead of those broadcasts, I'm going to send to everybody. I'm, you know, oftentimes we do the backwards math. We say, well, I need a hundred people at this event. And so I need to mail, 65,000 people because one person is going to open it and then this and this and this and this. I understand that math. I have done that math over and over and over again, but it's flawed. What we really need to do is who are the 300 people that we need to invite that are really going to care about this and, and are going to be spot on. And then we got to be compelling enough to get a hundred of those 300 people to show up. Right? So, um, we are going to see us get better at micro segmentation and deeply understanding our audience and combining qualitative and quantitative research to do that kind of really deep segmentation. So I think you're just going to see a lot more of these things get um, utilized and us get more and more comfortable with how to activate what we're learning from the systems. Oh, that's awesome. I, I uh, It sounds very true to me and uh, I definitely think you're you're spot on there, Samantha. So uh, great insights, great insights. 
I know you're a busy woman. You're running a <laughs> consulting company and so on. So thank you so much for taking your time and giving us an insight in what's going on in AI for marketers and uh, what the future looks like. But people who want to check out you and your company more, where can we send them, Samantha? Yeah, well, I'm on LinkedIn, so I would encourage people to, to connect there. Certainly love meeting folks. And then also marketingadvisorynetwork.com. Um, that's a good place. We, we have a lot of resources on the page there. We, um, you know, there's contact information, all, all the stuff that you would need. So I, I hope and look forward to meeting your listeners. Yes, absolutely. And I can uh, recommend your resource section. I think it was awesome when I did uh, the prep before the show here. So uh, yeah, thank you so much and good luck with that company. And it was so good to have you with us today. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to Lead Generation Strategies for B2B tech companies. Don't forget to subscribe. You will find it where podcasts live. Discover how we can help you with your lead generation activities at brightvision.com.